you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got an amazing guest today, a bit of a surprise guest, actually. So um, I reached out to uh, the Breakfast with Winners show on Clubhouse, and Jennifer uh, very kindly put her hand up to, um, to jump on as a guest today. Well, to mainly talk about Clubhouse, so uh, which is fantastic. But to, before we actually get started, so Jennifer is an award-winning public speaker, international number one best-selling author in six countries, inspirational change leader, CEO of Obsession Salon, and founder of the successful Salon Club. And I'm, I'm so grateful for you jumping on the show today. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be here with you. Awesome. So we're, we're really going to be talking about Clubhouse today because obviously it's 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 been around since April last year, but um, it all seemed to kind of blow up, didn't it, around about December and January. And um, very grateful because it's an opportunity to network around the whole sort of lockdown shenanigans when we're all kind of trapped at home um, and start speaking to people. And hence the reason why obviously I came across your profile, Jennifer, and you've you got, you got a very high profile on there already in such a short space of time how have you found it yeah do you know what I've loved it I'm naturally not a network marketer like I'm I'm come across as a very confident person and I am very confident in my own skin but in my own environment and so if there's nothing worse for me than sticking me in a room and telling me go network and go market and go go speak to all these people I'm like I don't know what to say like literally (laughs) kills me inside so this has just been amazing because it's enabled me to just naturally have those conversations those organic conversations that that I suppose is network marketing isn't it really like if we think about it but in the comfort of my own home and on an app that I really love and yeah it's just been phenomenal I've really enjoyed it well, I think one of the nice things is you get to consume Clubhouse in whichever guys you feel kind of safest in that moment as well, because if you don't want to get up on stage, you don't have to get up on stage. You can just kind of sit down in the audience and listen to other people. But you're you're kind of very, you know, you are very proactive up there and um, you, you moderate or co-moderate on quite a number of different rooms. Um, l- let's dive straight into it. Like, how, how have you found it from a from a business perspective? So I think there's this cycle that everybody goes on and you probably, as I'm saying this, you'll probably be like, oh yeah, I've done that. And yes, I've done that. And yes, I've done that. So the first thing is you show up and you're like, what the hell is this thing? And, you know, I'm a a public trained and award-winning public speaker. So speaking is not an issue, but I found it like... When I'm doing things like this, interviews and Zooms and lives, I'm, I'm okay with it. But because it took the energy out of the room because I couldn't actually read people. It was actually really scary. And I didn't speak, I don't think, for about two days. And I honestly, my palms were sweating and I was like, oh, I don't know, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I talked myself out of it. And then I was like, oh my God, get a grip. Like, honestly, what is the matter with you? And we just, I just pressed that button and just got on with it. 
But then I think what happens is you kind of go through this like, oh my God, this thing is amazing. So we were literally not sleeping for days. We were just like consuming the content from there for days and days and days on end. We were showering with it, playing in the bathroom, like literally eating dinner with the family and it's on in your ears. Like it was, we just, just got so heavily involved in it. And then clubhouse fatigue set in so it's kind of around like two weeks time when you kind of feel what am I actually doing on this app I am spending hours and hours and hours I'm putting off things that need to be done I'm not present with my family I'm exhausted and you kind of pull back a bit from clubhouse and then FOMO sets in and you're like, but I'm missing all this really cool conversations and I'm missing all this education. And then you dive straight back into it again. And then you get serious and ask yourself, what do I actually want to get out of this app? Like, let's get strategic. Like I do in all of my other business areas. Like, what do I want to consume? What do I want to put out there? How is this helping me personally grow and my business grow? And just really got them real kind of, marked out in my brain what I wanted to get and I now only go on the app to add value where I where I feel that I can add the value or to show up and just listen so that I can learn some really cool things so I've really got it mapped out in my brain and I think if you don't do that you just get swept along and waste half your life on there I I noticed you said we at the start there so was your partner on Clubhouse as well no so I'm a single mum there is no partner and I think that is like probably why I was able to dedicate so much time to it because I think if I had if I had a partner and family yeah kids are forgiving they're like oh mum's doing her thing I'm with my friends anyway whereas yeah I think if if you've got a partner I think you have to be very careful not to neglect that person because you do want to just sit there with your earphones in your ear and just consume I have seen a few people that have got like joint profiles so their picture on clubhouse is them together and then they kind of jump in and out and do stuff together which I think is really cool um but but yeah, I think setting those boundaries from the beginning is really key. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I only ask that because every time my wife saw me get this little box out, the eyes rolled and I, she knew that I was going to be just checking out for an hour or two, you know, and that there was, I remember one of my early, there was something else which she touched on as well. Sort of, um, I, I one of the things which I've experienced on Clubhouse and I don't want to put anybody off it because I think it's a fantastic platform. It's a bit of imposter syndrome as well, kind of crept in. Yeah. I, I remember um, there was a breakfast with winner's room when I was halfway at one of the local Cotswolds Hills being dragged up it by my dog Wilbur and um, Ash called me up onto the stage to, to speak in, like, and there's like 250 people in the room. I was out of breath and I just, oh God, garbled something. And it, it actually just, um, it got me to a point where I was like, oh, I need to just, like you, that was my moment where I was like, I have to focus. I, if I'm going to come onto a platform and be professional, um, I need to have that strategy and that plan so that I'm in a quiet space I know exactly what I'm going to do when I get into a room or if I host the room and what I'm going to get out of this. Because if I don't do that, you know, just just sit and listen passively, you know, whilst you're being dragged around the hills with with Wilbur. But you, you mentioned there about your strategy. What So what kind of when you had that sort of um, uh, that moment of sort of clarity around your strategy, what did that look like with Clubhouse? Yeah, so for me, so the Successful Salon Club, my coaching company, um, 
it was really the whole point of that is to help some owners in pain and you know in pain of not being able to have the business that they truly want and deserve because they don't know how to market their business and I think that's true in most small businesses you know we open a business because we know how to do the thing that we do the technical thing like hairdressing really really well Um, but what we don't know is how to run a business and how to market that business and these are all skill sets that we've got to get along the way and I think that's what Clubhouse is so amazing for because now you can get that education for free in an afternoon by some of the top world leaders in those areas so I think it's just it's a phenomenal space um, but for me it was a case of right I need to show up and I need to be there and I need to guide these salon owners so the, the in the beginning the rooms were every single day for an hour at 12 o'clock And I would just show up and give some value around a a certain piece of um, topic, let's say, pulling it out of some of my content off of um, Instagram. And that worked really, really well. But of course, now the world has gone back out of lockdown. So 12 o'clock, we're all in our businesses. So we've had to change that. And I'm just currently um, spending this evening, actually, it's blocked out in my diary to sit down and really look at what we're going to be doing moving forward. At the moment, it's a Wednesday evening. So we go live every Wednesday evening for kind of an hour, hour and a half. And it's all education because it's really important to me that salon owners invest their time and get something for it you know so if you're investing your time in one of my clubhouse rooms you're going to learn some really cool marketing hacks you're going to learn some really cool stuff on instagram but i want you to have something to go away and work on that's what's really important to me in those rooms um what i do find a challenge is i've got so many people now that are reaching out to me like i want to come and host a room with you i want to be in your room i want to speak on your stage and so the clarity for me now needs to come from okay what do I want this room to be what do we want to teach in it does it is it going to be open for anything or is it going to be just what I coach inside the successful salon club um and really start mapping out how that works um and adding probably a second room so I think we'll probably do like a Monday morning and then a Wednesday evening so that it's good for both time zones really there's so much that you've got to think about you know there's the American guys coming in and yeah it's it's you do need to get a plan together yeah I mean I have several clients in medical aesthetics so kind of you know not similar business similar kind of you know uh, line of work and they were obviously massively affected by um, coronavirus and the various lockdowns and things like that. And one of the things which I found was that um, Clubhouse was a bit of a lifeline for them. So when when we were all sort of away and, you know, couldn't, couldn't go into business, couldn't, you know, we didn't have clients coming into our, our salons or into our clinics, you know, and we didn't have the ability to be able to go out and network with other people actually you did have experts like yourself on there kind of um so you could learn or listen or connect and I think that was a a massive lifeline for a lot of our clients absolutely yeah totally agree and for businesses you know we got so many people join the club from clubhouse you know so many people signing up I 
my coaching program had this massive evolution where, you know, generally what I offer is a 12 month coaching program, but then we decided to do a fast track for the whole of lockdown. So you could do it in six or eight weeks. And it was like a fee up front, as opposed to what I normally do, where you can pay over a monthly cycle. And so it, it really, it, built the business as well. It helped me to kind of really see the pain points and then challenges because I could hear them in the room. Now, I don't think ever before have we been able to open up a room, fill it with our ideal clients, and then find out what they really, really need from me so that I can go and create that and bring it to them. I, I really do believe that the power that Clubhouse has got is like amazing, but you just need to channel it and get that um what's the word I'm looking for get that plan behind you so that you know exactly what you're doing do you think there's a danger that um because obviously Twitter spaces uh, is starting to kind of come online now and I've tried to get into there and it's glitchy as anything but do you think there's a danger that Clubhouse is going to be kind of beaten by the Goliaths at some point in the future or do you think they've kind of established a that their their place now in the market I think they've already established their place and I can't remember who it was they've just taken on like the head of marketing for oh it was a massive company and that was a very smart move um and I think you know Twitter this is my personal opinion I'm speaking from my own personal self here but I just find it so negative it's such a negative space that actually who even wants to be involved in Twitter they give you the option on Clubhouse to to put both profiles your Instagram account and your Twitter account nobody connects through Twitter because <laughs> nobody, nobody even likes going on I don't think I've had one single message through Twitter it's like all of it's come through Instagram I've not even linked mine up because I just I, I hate Twitter well funny enough John, I might take well the only reason why I've kept Twitter on there is because it's it's actually budged over the Instagram one so it's in the middle of the page and actually it sits more nicely I think but uh, that just purely um, it's my, my marketing agency days coming out with user experience and stuff like that I'm like it's easier to click on um, talk to me about your business then. So, I mean, we'll probably kind of weave Clubhouse stuff into this, but um, you've been in business for a um, similar sort of amount of time to me, I think. Um, so I, I set up my first business around about sort of, to give you context, about t- the year 2000, and then my first serious business about 2004. But uh, did I read you've been sort of um, 16 years as a salon owner? Yes, yeah. So 2004, salon was birthed. Um, and yeah, I've been in business ever since. I've loved it. It's been a roller coaster. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'd been in business 10 years and then I nearly lost it because I didn't know how to run a business. I just knew how to be the technician inside the business and do the actual work. Um, and I just had the most biggest epiphany at that very moment that I was about to lose the business and I've never looked back since. So it was, it's been a phenomenal journey, but it has well you've you've built i'd like to hear about the epiphany in a moment but um so you obviously grew that business as well through the last financial sort of crisis back in 2007 2008 how did you find that yeah it was fine actually i think one of the things that i really learned from um that financial crisis was the negative talk in the team 
that I was allowing myself to get sucked into. So when there was white space in the business and time that hadn't been sold, the team going, oh, well, no one's got any money. Oh, well, everyone's struggling. Oh, well, everyone's starting to like close up their purses because they're worried because Christmas is coming or whatever that excuse was. And I allowed myself for a very brief moment to get bought into that. And I was like, yeah, so yeah, every, no one's got any money and we're not performing as a business because nobody's got any money and everyone's holding back and that's why we're not growing. And then I suddenly kind of thought, no, actually, that's not right. There are plenty of people still with money. What are we doing? Like, grow the business. Don't put the, the brakes on just because the world is like, we can't afford to do that. So we just took, grew that business and just ran with it and took the business to the next level, which I'm very, very grateful for. Well, one of the things which I noticed was that it's it's that um, uh, belief that all people haven't got any money, whereas actually all that happened during that first, well, any recession is that, you know, supp- the levers of supply and demand shift ever so slightly. So there's ever so slightly less demand. And one of the things which we did was um, dramatically increase our prices. Yeah. Everybody else was like competing, you know, driving the prices down. It's a race to the bottom. And we actually 5X. So we used to do web design, hosting and things like that. So we 5X our prices. Lo and behold, we were one of, um, there was about 25 local agencies in our local town pre that initial financial crisis. By the end of it, there was only five and we were one of them that were left, you know, and because you've got to make those sort of brave decisions, haven't you, to kind of weather the storm. So what did you, what did you, when, when you kind of realized that you were kind of, a bit of that um you you were buying into that sort of white noise that was going around with your team what what shifted for you well exactly the same as what's what's happened coming out of this pandemic actually it's quite ironic so i'm a massive fan of blowing my business up like literally blowing it up um and i i was speaking a lot on clubhouse in the last kind of three to four weeks about pressing that hard reset button like ripping the business apart why are we doing things the way we're doing them is it because it's the best decision for the business or is it because that's how we've done it for 17 years or five years or whatever um and really finding like i get so so geeked out I love it I like looking for the things that aren't working like what's the things that I'm really messing up on and then making big decisions in the moment right how are we going to change this um and prices going up is one of the things that we did and have done again and I since that financial crisis I put my prices up twice a year every single year I make no apologies for that everything else goes up so why wouldn't our prices go up you know and and actually previous to that I bet I barely put my prices up probably every kind of three years I was putting them up because I had an emotional connection with that, that price list like oh, are we worth it? Are people going to think I'm being greedy? Like all that BS. And when I say BS, I mean belief systems that were running around inside of my brain and actually realizing that I've just got to put them down for a second and make business decisions on facts, not feelings, and really just become unemotionally 
or emotionally unattached so that I could make those decisions. And, you know, we really have like this last lockdown, we've looked at, I've, I've found an area that I was really losing money on. It was um, when we're looking at the 80-20 rule, 80% of your income comes from 20% of your services. 80% of your income comes from 20% of your clients. And really like applying that 80-20 rule to absolutely everything that we possibly could that affects any financial um, stability in the business. And looking at one of the services that was in our 20% that was really, really performing, but we were undercharging for the time that it was actually taken. And so looking at how we could really raise that, and you know, that price has gone from 118 pounds to 250 quid overnight. But it's put such a spin on the business that the business is outperforming itself again. And, and I think you just got to get fanatical looking for the things that aren't working. Well, I, th I think as well, like people underestimate how powerful pricing can be. And, you know, not we're not just talking about turnover and profit here, but when you actually, we actually recommend that like twice a year, I'd almost challenge you on that. Is that even enough in terms of like raising your prices? We, we normally recommend sort of four to six week cycles on price increments. And actually fearless business, we put our prices up seven times last year. Wow. You know, because... Again, because supply and demand, like we all of a sudden, we had just a ton more demand for what we were doing as a coaching practice. So it just made sense to keep on testing the pricing, keep on testing the pricing till you reach that happy equilibrium. And, and hey, presto, it worked. I think that's very, very different with a service-based business and a coaching yeah. company. I think you are correct because the coaching company, yeah, like I wouldn't even like to hazard a guess. So... God, what, what would it have been? So my coaching program would have been like 1100 pounds and it went up to two and a half K. So yeah, we we do that in the coaching company yeah. with the service-based business. Like we're the most expensive salon. We're more expensive than half of London salons. <laughs> it's little old Ramsgate. Um, but we give amazing service and it's all about the experience. Yeah. So people get that and they pay that. Um, but I think if we were to put that up more than twice a year, I mean, the cheapest you can get a haircut in the business now is £71. So it's, it's yeah, I think you need I, to this, this is going back quite a few years, actually, but the start of my coaching practice days, um, I do remember somebody um, inquired. They ran a, um, a salon, actually. It was the, about the only salon inquiry I've ever had. And they used to do a hair... Um, a cut and blow dry for about 18 pounds. And I, I was like, why wouldn't you charge more than that? And she said, because I wouldn't charge more. I wouldn't want to pay more than that. Sorry. And I had to show her that the Guinness world record for the most expensive haircut is 8,000 pounds. And she's like, no, it can't be right. I was like, here it is black and white, 8,000 pounds. So it's like massive bandwidth. And I think you need, again, you need to set the prices for what, um, you know, what works for your business economically to make it kind of stack up. Yeah. You, you, um, you mentioned something about 10 years into your salon business where things went a bit, you blew the business up. Are you happy to talk about that? What happened yeah, there? Sure, sure. So um, it was just coming up to Christmas and there was a big knock on my door and I was in the office. Finally, I had made it. Like there was bums on all seats and then people standing everywhere. We'd already um, grown out of the old salon. So we'd moved two shops up to double the floor space. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is amazing. We're just like all the time fully booked. This is so cool. And I had already noticed that I didn't know how to run a business. So I had spoken to a friend um, of my ex-husband's who run an amazing golf course. And so 
and it was a very high flying golf course as well so I thought well he's going to know how to run a business and so he was helping me inside of my business as like a bit of a business guru um and this is lesson number one guys don't employ somebody to help you in your business when they don't know what they're doing <laughs> lesson number one epic fail so he implemented something into my business which was like this um, reward scheme so the more times they come they got more of a discount so that they were rewarded you know more and more and more throughout the year of them coming in um, and it sounded amazing when he was talking it through with me but what he didn't do was look at the fact that he was implementing that card at one at one point, so everybody's getting it, and then all of that massive discount is all going to come in at the same time at Christmas. Uh. And so in hairdressing back then, my business was not very stable in the January. You know, we have a massive spike at Christmas and sales drop in January. And you have your VAT bill, your personal tax bill. I have two wage bills in January because I pay every four weeks. So there's a lot of money that leaves my account in January. So we have to make the money in December to, or we had to. We don't have that challenge now, thankfully. Um, but we used to have to make that money to, to kind of pay out January. And I remember being in my office, literally, I just decorated it. I was feeling amazing. And there was a knock on the door and in walks Nikki. She's my reservationist. And she's got this paper in her hand and she's like, can we have a chat? Now, you know, as a business owner, if one of your team says, can we have a chat? It's not great news. It never is. So I was like, oh, okay. Is she leaving me? Oh, what's happening? And then she said, I need to tell you something. Have you seen the report for the discounts? And I was like, no, why should I? And Nikki, oh my God, bless her. She was just shaking. And, you know, you could see her brown bob perfectly wobbling on her head. I was like, Nick, what is wrong? And she said, um, everybody has now got that discount, that big discount, and everyone's bill had come in at 50% off. And although there was loads of bums on the seats where she's at reservations checking them all out, she's like, oh, my God, what's happened? And um, so a massive epic fail. And that really made me realize that I didn't understand what was happening in my business. So I went off and learned how to run a business. But then that set me with a new challenge. I now had like blown the business up, doubled the prices overnight, took away all discounts. We don't discount at all in the business yes. ever. Um, and like, I'm feeling pretty confident now. Like I, I know how to run this business, but there's no bums on seats. I can't get clients in and I don't know how to do it because now guess what the new challenge is? I don't know how to market the business. And so at that moment, I, I kind of, I remember looking around the salon just thinking, Jesus, what am I going to do? How am I going to tell all these people that I've messed this up and there is no jobs because there's no money and we're going to run out and like literally panicking. And I looked around the chairs and I just thought, it's not the discount. It's the fact that everybody is in here because of the discount. They're all the wrong type of clients. They all want a discount. And actually, if the salon up the road discounts more than me, guess what? That's where they're going to go. As I made that decision in my mind, thinking, wow, I have royally messed this up. Not only have I got somebody in that doesn't know what they're doing, but I've also got the wrong clientele. The door swung open. And as the door swung open, in walked this lady whose name is Sue. 
She's still a client inside of my business today. And she literally floated through the salon. I mean, she didn't, but in my story, she floats. Um, just like a little goddess. And she had this beautiful snowy white bob with this little side fringe and this camel coat that graced the top of her Jimmy Choo's. And she floated up to reservations and booked a colour and a cut and then blow dries every week. And I was like, that's the client. That's the ideal client that we need inside this business. And I made a promise to myself that I'm not losing this business. She is going to have all those services because she's booked them all. I'm going to make sure that we do them. And there was born the concept of find your Sue, which is what I coach really heavily inside of this successful salon club, because everything we do in that business now is for Sue. It's decorated for Sue. The coffee we serve is for Sue. The music we play is for Sue. The way my team get dressed in the morning is for Sue. And every business decision, every marketing conversation, every text message, every Instagram post, everything that leaves that business is just like I'm having just that one conversation with her. And what that's done is grow the business purposefully with the right kind of clientele who help me grow the business because they want to buy into the brand and tell all their family and friends about us. So they actually do a lot of the heavy lifting of the marketing. And anybody that we get into the business is now not that it's not that local um, kind of ring around your bricks and mortar business anymore because people travel. You know, I've got clients that travel an hour and a half to come in and have a haircut in the business because they've seen a post on Instagram that's just talked to them. And it's such a powerful concept, really is. So that was the, the epiphany that happened in the business. That's such a um, powerful message in that as well, because, uh, you know, as, as a business coach, we always talk about ideal client avatar and niches and things like that. And I think it's very easy to go psychographics and demographics and things like that. But the key piece which you've identified there, which most business owners miss out, is then how are we going to behave to attract those that right sort of client in because we're just like, well, here's our client, we'll throw our marketing out there, but we don't actually let it impact. Like you said, all of the different aspects of the business about the staff and their culture and the coffee and the like this, even down to the music. I think that's that's such a powerful message. I think everybody will be able to take something from that. Yeah. So I've got a find your Sue course and I'll talk a bit about what I coach in that course, because I think it's going that extra level deeper and then going that level deeper again. So, you know, I studied Sue for 12 weeks. I literally took her for lunch. I took her for dinner. I took her for coffee. I took her for cake because I wanted the suggestion where I should go. And then I I literally stalked those businesses. How does that business make me feel when I turn up? What commonalities am I seeing around all of the businesses that she loves? What type of coffee are they all serving? How do they serve that coffee? What can I model so that I take a little piece of all of her favorite places and model them in my business so it feels like home? You know, what colors does she decorate her house? That's the colors that needs to be in the business. What does she love to do outside of, you know, work, you know, at home? She loves flowers. She loves flower arranging. She loves plants. So there's plants all throughout the salon. You know, the Christmas party isn't a party. We have um, a, a local florist, because I know she loves to shop local, come in and does, we'll do, make the wreaths that we put on our doors because it's something she's going to love. 
She gets to bring a friend, which means she introduces friends to us every Christmas. And this is for our top 30 guests. You know, we really go into the psycho, um, like we really analyze the psychological buying patterns of what Sue's buying and where from and what she loves about that shop and what she loves about that brand so that I can really unpack everything that I need to have in my business in order for it to work. So like, if you think, you know, where does she buy her food shop? If she's shopping in Waitrose, she likes different products because they don't sell the normal products that you would find in Tesco's or Sainsbury's or they're very um, John Lewis type products. So she's that upper market client. She likes upper market prices. She likes upper market packaging. So you can start to really look at all of the behaviors, like you just said, that really need to happen in that business to make it a success for that demographic. It's so important. Do you know what's really fascinating as well, Jennifer, is you, you, I asked the question about your business and you've totally, like you could have gone down the route and this is what, again, a lot of business owners make the mistake of. It's all about me and I and everything else. And all you focused on is Sue. And that tells me that the person in your business, the most important person in your business is your client, um, you know, above absolutely everything else. And I think that's, again, you know, another great lesson, which I think people can take away from it. And I always say to, to my clients as well, if you ever go into a sale where you need to pay for your mortgage and put food on your, your, your table, you're doing it all wrong. Like the, the one person is the most important person in any business is the client. And, and if, if the client's not a good fit for you, you need to be willing to detach from that emotionally to walk away from it. Otherwise, you're just doing business all wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And the energy that that brings to the business is bad energy. And it brings that to you as well. So you're not serving yourself. You're not giving that self-love to you or to them when you're allowing two really mismatched energies to work together. It's really important. 100%. Pisses my wife off though, because she keeps on saying, are they paying you for this? And I'm like, no, they don't need to pay me for this. But I mean, obviously I get paid for certain aspects of my business, but there's things which you do in business for free because you want to help people. And that, that's one of the things which I really admire about you. I mean, it's the first time we've seen each other, which is really nice. But you know, listening to you on Clubhouse, you're you're so abundant with your, your knowledge. I've heard people hold back from like all of their secret sauce. I'll go and drop me a DM on Instagram and you can download my thing for your email address. And it's like, no, Jennifer, you, you give the whole thing away. And I think that's just, um, it's great. And that's why I'm so pleased that I was able to get you onto the podcast to, to interview you and talk to you about your business. Thank you. Um, cool. So um, you have your own podcast as well, don't you? Do you want to say a few words about that as well? Yeah. So the Salon Owners podcast, which is the successful salon podcast, um, we drop, we're on a bit of a break at the moment, but we generally drop most Mondays and I do, I take, um, the lessons, I do a live into my Facebook group every Monday. So I kind of take those lessons and just pull them across onto the podcast because I think, you know, and, and again, it's going back to that Sue on, in the successful salon club, people want to learn what you have to say, but they want to learn it and they want to consume it from the um the medium that they like to consume it from so if they the, if they love listening to podcasts you've got to have that podcast there for them if they love reading you've got to have that book there for them if they love watching live stream videos in facebook groups 
you've got to have that for them. So I think, you know, it's, it is super, super important to really think about that omni-channel, omni-channel presence and look at how can I get the information into the hands of Sue, but in a way that she wants to consume it. It's really key. Definitely. I, I know we could, we'll probably have to record another episode, I think, if we get into the realms of sort of marketing and how to attract clients into our businesses. But um, we are coming very quickly towards the end of the um, uh, recording for the session. But um, what, what, um, so what's next for Jennifer and your businesses and also for Clubhouse as well? What, what, what's going to be happening there moving forward? Okay, so big secret that's not so secret because I told everyone in the clubhouse room the other day, (laughs) but I'm about to sack myself from the salon. So one of the things that um, is really key to me is my core values and beliefs inside of the businesses. And actually both businesses have the same core values and beliefs because they literally, they drive through me. It's like, I can't get away from them. It all comes back to this. And I realized in lockdown that actually the freedom element I wasn't living up to and freedom for me will mean something completely different to you and something completely different to everybody else that's listening to this but to me freedom is freedom of time freedom financially freedom of stress um just that that whole freedom like I wake up and choose what I want to do and where I want to be in the world and although like my daughter is still at school, so we can't just go off and travel around the world like I would absolutely want to right now. But I do want to be able to just every school holidays, just pick a bag up and go to a different country just to teach her about all the different cultures around the world and give that experience to her. I never had it as a child and I want to give that to her. And so with the business, with the salon being so busy, I cannot take even a day away from that business at the moment. So I'm sacking myself in 12 weeks. Don't, don't tell me it was Beiju who said that you had to do that, was he? Did he hold you to account over that? No, I, I said it in front of him and he was like, right, I'm going to call me Jenny because no one calls me Jenny. It's either Jennifer or Jen. My mum and my dad and my sister are the only people that call me Jenny. And he said, he's like, I'm going to call you Jenny until it's done because he knows it really winds me up. <laughs> So it's like, maybe it might be in five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Just get it done. Yeah. But, um, I've, I've been beijing a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> He's good at it. He is yeah. good. But it's really key for me that this person, because they're taking over my role, it works alongside me for a long time before I hand it over, you know, so that we're going to kind of go down that see one, do one, teach one model and just really get it right. Um, So that's what's next for me. Sacking myself out of the role that I'm in in the business, I'm front of house, director of first and last impressions. Um, So I'll be hiring somebody in for that role and then to take over some of the marketing as well. Um, so that I can get some of that freedom. You know, weekends, I'm away. I'm not being in that business anymore. School holidays, I'm away. I'm not being in that business anymore. I want to see my kids and having them at home over lockdown was so amazing. Now they're back at school, I'm literally sulking. So I want that time back. 
Well, I, I think it's I think it's um, incredibly admirable, and I think there's a, you'll get not just the benefits of being able to spend more time with your family as well, but I think you'll probably find as well like when whenever I create a bit of space and time around me um, to think about my business, actually that's when I'm at my most creative. I come up with they're slightly crazy ideas sometimes, and like my team have to hold me back a bit, but equally I come up with the best ideas for actually moving the business forward. So you might find that firing yourself from fulfilment is actually the best possible thing that could ever happen to your business and also your personal life as well I think it'd be a really good thing the challenge is I've really enjoyed this role so I, I was never at front of house I've always been kind of in the back end of the business and then my front of house manager just before the first lockdown handed her notice in it was she, her life had really drastically changed her mum had passed away and some other stuff was really going on in her life and she was like I can't do this anymore I'm like that, that's fine the friend in me would love take that time for yourself the business owner in me went oh god what am I going to do she's worked for me for 12 years then quickly when this is an amazing opportunity I'm going to fill this spot because I want to see are we doing stuff because that's how it needs to be done or are we doing stuff because that's how she's done it for 12 years um and again it was an, a massive opportunity to press that hard reset button and blow the business up so I, I swiftly got to it <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Right. Well, we are we are at time uh, already, believe it or not. So um, do go and follow. You're on. You're Jennifer Louise, aren't you, on Clubhouse? So go and follow Jennifer Louise on on Clubhouse. You're also on. Oh, there's no other platforms. We don't need to talk about the other platforms. It's just it's all about Clubhouse. Come find me on Clubhouse <laughs> and Instagram. Maybe Instagram. Hashtag Instagram. Whatever it is. Uh, my final question, and and you may I should have warned you about this um, whilst we were off there, but. Um, Final question, if you do need a minute or two just to kind of mull it over. Some people know it just like that. Some people need a minute just to think. We're going to jump into the fearless business time machine and we're going to go back to a date in your past. You get to punch the date into the DeLorean and um, you're going to go and have a word with um, uh, Jennifer Louise, uh, T minus X years. So what year is it and what would you say to her? Okay, so it's going to be that 10th year in business where I realized that I needed to find out how to run a business when it was all going wrong. And I, although I went and I did get help and I did go and learn from a company and how to do, and it was actually a salon base, so it was brilliant. Um, what I then didn't do is reapply that quickly to marketing. So then I decided that I need to learn all this stuff about marketing, but I can learn it from some free YouTube videos and I can try and figure out what everybody's doing rather than pay a coach to help me get the answers quickly, get me out of pain, get it moving so that I can generate that cash. So the word with myself would be, when you have something you need to learn, a skill set that you don't have or you don't possess in your business, either hire somebody that does or hire a coach that can teach you and only learn from the best because you don't want secondhand information. One of the core values and beliefs inside both of my businesses is quality education. I spend an absolute fortune. I only learn from the best. I'm doing some great stuff with Tony Robbins this year. Um, yeah, he is phenomenal. You know, I've got some really, I've got about six different mentors um, that I learned from in different areas. And I'm really key at that now, whereas I wasn't back then. And so things would take me four years that I could have done in four blimmin' weeks because I was trying to bootstrap because of course the business didn't have the cash and I was trying to hold the cash back. 
But I just think that was a silly decision. Get focused, write down the things, the skill sets that you don't have that you need to learn and go find someone to teach you. Yeah, I, I think you were you were hosting a, a room, and I know you didn't say it was you didn't see it as a failure necessarily that ten year kind of implosion. But um, I think you were part of hosting a room which was um, win or learn, wasn't it? And I think in this particular instance, it's like you had to go through that horrible, painful process in order to make that have that moment of clarity where, oh, actually, we need to to invest in it. It's funny, isn't it? Because since since I kind of learned about um, a bit more about, I'm not, I'm not the greatest in terms of like you know psychology but when I started to learn about wealth and money mindset and various things like that and started to be a bit more abundant with my cash rather than trying to hold on to it for me actually how can I learn from this all of a sudden like my world shifted and it sounds like you had a similar sort of experience as well yeah absolutely Tony Robbins teaches them you to do this really cool thing um about having like a stash of cash in your wallet that you just top up that is, I can't remember what, what he calls it, but it, anyway, it lives inside my purse. And it's just a, a wad of, like, it's a hundred pounds. Um, and that just sits there and it's for giving to homeless people or um, a massive tip if I go out for dinner and the dinner is amazing, giving experiences to people rather than just, oh, I've only got a 20 pound note in my purse and giving that to somebody, you know, have the whole hundred quid. Let's just give you some love. Let's give you something you are never going to forget so that it brings that abundance into their life for them. Um, and that I love that. And it's something that I really took away from Date With Destiny. And I, I love just keeping that in my in my purse. I can just tip people when it's the yeah. Do you know, I, I knew there was a reason why you had to come onto this podcast as a guest. And before, I'm not going to go woo-woo on you or anything like that, Jennifer, right? I Can I share something with you? I yeah. know this is your podcast and it's it's we're coming, we're at the end already, but... Um, I went to, went went holiday a couple of weeks ago to Wales, and I'm I'm glad you just said because you're not the only person who does this, right? We're on holiday in Wales. Everybody's had a really shit time with lockdown and all that kind of stuff. And um, I don't know how. Anyway, this holiday we've managed to book it. We booked it in August or September last year, in between the two lockdowns for the 12th of April this year. So we lucked out on the date. We got to go to South Wales, and I'd had a really great session surfing. And there was one pub in Rossilli that was open. And I, I haven't told, I haven't even told my wife this story. I didn't tell her I did this. I haven't told anybody about this, right? I'm going to share it with you. I'm about to share it with everybody watching and, and listening to the podcast. I went to get a pint of beer from the local pub that was doing takeaway. And I don't know why, but I just thought I'm going to stick a hundred quid behind the bar for everybody who comes up behind me. And do you know what? There was a family behind me. And all I could hear was mum saying to the kids, no, you can't have the crisps. We haven't got enough cash for that. We haven't got enough. And so I said, when the family comes up, give them whatever they want. Everybody else can just have a pint of beer or a soft drink or whatever. I stuck a hundred quid behind the bar and I hung around long enough to, to hear the kids go, oh my God, this is amazing. This is the best holiday ever. And I was like, oh. you know, that, and that, I haven't told anybody that story. And, and, um, uh, you know, that, that I just, and I, I bumped into the guy who ran the place the next day. And he was like, you made so many people happy yesterday. And it's like, it's the best. It's the best little wins like that. I love it. Yeah. And, and that's what running a business is all about, isn't it? It's enabling us to do things like that. 
Uh, people get so hung up on money. Anyway, I could talk about that all day anyway, but I uh, wanted to share that with you. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest today. And I'm sure hopefully, well, we'll bump into each other on Clubhouse, maybe come back for round two and talk about marketing and all sorts of fun things like that one day. But, uh, but no, really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. Thank you.